1: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Hey, how you doing tonight? Caleb Jones has a two-year contract extension from your Edmonton Oilers. Two years, $1.65 million. That works out to 825000 per year. You can get more on that on 630Chad.com, globalnews.ca. Also go to the web. For Scott Milanovich and crew, Milanovich unveiling several members of his coaching staff today and really the first media appearance in Edmonton for Scott Milanovich. He is ready to go with the green and gold. Uh, likes Trevor Harris, at quarterback, watching a lot of game film and already getting ready for the upcoming season. Blackhawks lead the Canadians 3-1. Six minutes left in the second period. And after the first, the Blues are up one nothing on the Flyers. Raptors tonight... Big lead at the half against Oklahoma City. The wraps are up 73-55. We'll get to Kelly Rudy in a couple of minutes between 7.30 and 8 tonight. And I'm really looking forward to bringing you this. Zeus McClurkin will be on the show. Now, Kellen, that's the type of name where even if you didn't know who or what Zeus McClurkin is about, mm-hmm. I would want to listen to an interview with Zeus McClurkin. Name only. Zeus McClurkin. He's a Harlem Globetrotter, so that should cinch it. Six foot eight. The Globetrotters are going to be in Edmonton on Saturday, January 25th. HarlemGlobetrotters.com for more info to get tickets. It's it's at Roger's place. And Zeus, he he will tell the story. This is one of those sentences you read to yourself, or at least I read to myself, and I think, well, somebody made a mistake. I, I think somebody done goofed up. Somebody's fingers got a little too busy on the keyboard, and they put the wrong word somewhere, and, and, and now it's just mumbo-jumbo. But here's the sentence. Just this past summer, Zeus made the Globetrotters' first-ever basketball shot while parasailing over 100 feet above the Atlantic Ocean. Like, does that sound like something that could actually happen?
2: Sounds like something evil Knievel would do in a 70s it or something. It
1: sounds evil Knievel-esque. So anyway, Zeus McClurkin from the Harlem Globetrotters will describe that shot. And I believe he's made several other trick shots in his life and obviously can really shoot and dunk and do all these incredible things. So that's coming up tonight between 7.30 uh, and 8. Going to be fun. Also want to let you know, a gentleman we just had inside sports on Friday, one of, the, one of my all-time favorite people... To uh, interview Don Horwood, legendary U of A men's basketball coach, has been inducted into the Canada West Hall of Fame. Now, the Canada West is a relatively uh, this Hall of Fame is relatively new. It's a it's a digital Hall of Fame. It's online, so you click on stuff and and you look. But they're getting famous people from Canada West in there. Uh, Don Horwood, three national titles with the U of A until last week. And that's why we had him on the show. He was the winningest coach in Canada West. Kevin Hanson from UBC passed him last Thursday. We had Don on the show on Friday. He went into the uh, Hall of Fame yesterday. Uh, I I asked Don about if he ever felt like he was going head-to-head with other coaches.
0: You know, I can't speak for other coaches. I can only speak for me. I never, ever felt that I was coaching against a coach. What we always try to do is figure out what the other team's strengths were and find out and try to decide how we could uh, organize our players and our defensive uh, uh, formations in order to counteract what they did best. It had, really, it had nothing to do with the other coach. I never felt, oh, I'm coaching against Ken Shields or against uh, Gary Howard or against uh, kevin hansen or or bruce ends for that matter before kevin went to ubc i never ever felt that i was coaching against a coach it was always coaching our team in our in order to try and defeat the other team and in fact the coach really never even came into it never even entered my mind what the coach or what the coach did or thought it was only what the team did and how we could counteract that
1: Part of a spirited conversation we had with Don Horwood on Inside Sports on Friday night. Bob Stoffer checked in. He and Don used to work together at the U of A. Bob was the sports information director. So, congratulations, Don Horwood goes into the Canada West Hall of Fame. And if you want to listen to that full interview, you ever missed anything on Inside Sports, you can sign up for the podcast through iTunes. You can go to the show page as well on 63ched.com. He joins us once a week on the show. Former NHL goaltender, now a broadcaster with the NHL on Rodgers. It is the one or only Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? Oh, fantastic. Great
3: having a few days here in Toronto until I uh, work tomorrow night, flames at the Maple Leafs. So looking forward to that. And then Saturday here, of course, studio for Hockey Night in Canada.
1: Oh, good. You got out of the minus 40 then. Good for you. (laughs) I heard it's really cold, huh?
3: I I know there's a couple people, like even one guy that I work with, his family's back in Calgary, and, and of all times... His furnace quit. So last night he is trying to come for dinner with us and he's dealing with this and finally got a guy out there. But I know everybody's struggling in Alberta right now. It's so cold.
1: Now, uh, Crestwood, was that your neighborhood as a kid? Elmwood. Elmwood, sorry, Elmwood. Now, what what was the limit for you for playing on the outdoor rink or playing in the street as a kid? Would would have this been too cold?
3: I think it would have been. I can't remember. I, If I'm not mistaken, there was a rule uh, because I played all my minor hockey outdoors other than uh, minor hockey week when for you know a week uh, or however many games we played, we were able to go indoors. But I believe there was a record or a, a limit. It was somewhere around minus 20, minus 25 that you couldn't play outdoors anymore. But that wouldn't stop us from going to the rink. It's just that it wasn't a, a regular league game. And so... Oh, boy. You know, all those other nights, though, that I know my brother and I and all our neighborhood friends would be playing ball hockey outside, and uh, it didn't really matter the temperature. We would just bundle up, and it was still fun. I mean, it was cold, but you know what? You kind of got used to it, and you expected it.
1: Yeah, well, it's uh, it is uh, incredibly frigid this week, but it's going to be warm in a few days. So everybody's looking looking forward to Sunday and Monday. Absolutely. Hey, everybody's right. always looking for already looking forward to January the 29th. That's when the Calgary Flames play the Edmonton Oilers. Man, uh, words like uh, coward. I'm not going to back down. I got I got a short memory. Like it's it, it's it's like you looking for room at the buffet. The way these guys are throwing around the insults, Kelly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know I miss those days you know right because it's a friendlier game there's not nearly as much hitting there's uh, doesn't seem like the rivalries really exist that much and so I guess it's only fitting that uh, we had a game like that and it involved the uh, Battle of Alberta I don't think it would have had the same sort of intensity or or, or lasting effect really if it would have been say uh, Nashville and Edmonton and uh, you know I, I just think it kind of renewed a, a hatred that these two teams used to have, but not really lately. I guess there was that one game last year that they had it uh sorted to the same level, but I missed those days I, It was fun and uh you know, it was interesting to hear the comments on social media and so on and uh I just my personal feeling was I think I said it on air Saturday. Uh, at the end of the game I love both those guys Like I'd take Kachuk on my team And I'd take Cassian And a second on my team And then uh, yesterday I heard Cassian's comments And I love it I'm like I'm you Like you I'm, I can hardly wait until January 29th
1: Well and that's the interesting side of it And I host a talk show. I talk to a lot of fans. 99.9% of them are Oilers fans. But I get what's coming from the other side of the fence. And I've been saying, well, this is great. The Battle of Alberta has a villain, a guy who loves being the villain. And that's Matthew Kachuk. Mm -hmm. And I realized Flames fans were saying... Well, what are you talking about? Zach Cassian's the villain in all this, so that's what makes it fun. I mean, you, you hope it doesn't. Uh, you know, I don't think it's going to escalate into uh, a bench-clearing brawl, or hopefully, there's going to be nothing where it's actual in- intent to injure. But I don't mind the hatred, and, and I don't mind the animosity. Now, w- from you, from you playing, and you had, you were part of rivalries, and you were also in a system where the scheduling format was different you might play a team seven or eight times in the regular season and then maybe have a yeah. long playoff series against them but like true actual hatred like you must have you must have witnessed this you must have seen guys like just seething at each other or a teammate like just not waiting to get back at a guy I'm sure you lived many of these disputes
3: oh totally and uh, I think I've told you before. Uh, I had to play with hatred. That's how I got up for a game. So I I truly hated everybody on the other team, even if I knew them, and even if I maybe played junior with them or, or whatever the case, or played in the minors, whatever. Uh, it was really easy for me to get a hate on, and I could carry it through the entire game. It, that didn't ever change. Now, the thing, the beautiful thing about, I guess, being a professional is that for the most part, it ended as soon as the uh, uh, the game was over. So I could bump into a guy in the hallway after and have a short chat or something, and, and uh, I'm completely over. Other than in my career read, there were probably about 10 guys that I just had hatred for on the ice and off the ice. And uh, I couldn't help myself just because I thought you know they'd cross the line or they're arrogant or what have you, so there was a guy. This is how the games change, so they still chirp each other, and of course, you have to be more careful and I get all that, but there was a guy on another team that uh, uh I just I really despise, and uh, he got injured uh pretty bad, and I went over to him because a whistle blew, and I went over to him, and I said, "Hey, it looks good on you bud." and so and it was a lot worse than that, of course uh and then I remember that hatred between us when I was in L.A. and the Oilers. And uh, there was a player on our team that was it is sneaky dirty. He was pretty good at it. And uh, not the usual suspects either. It wasn't like Marty or somebody like that. And uh, he got one of the Oilers pretty good. And the, the guy from the Oilers, his dad happened to be in town. So he waited until after the game. The dad did and came down by our bus and started giving it to this guy. Oh, what a mistake that was, Reed. I can tell you what, his poor son got chirped the rest of his career about that, about, oh, is daddy going to stick up for you and all these sort of things. And I felt badly for the guy because I thought, you know, his dad did this to him. It wasn't his own actions. And So um, I just think that when you get those sort of, you know, animosities, it's really good for the game. Uh, You know, people pay a lot of money for tickets. You should be entertained. There should be, like, good guys, bad guys, all that kind of thing. So um, I'm with you. I hope on January 29th there's no intent injured and nobody crosses that line. I don't think that'll happen, but
1: uh, it will be an interesting game, that's for sure. Kelly, Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. Do you think Matthew Kachuk now has to fight Cassian in, in the near future? And do you think... Whether they might make it known or not, do you think members of the Calgary Flames, like Kachuk's teammates, might be thinking, oh man, he's, he's kind of got to do something. Like, we got to defuse this and he's got to stand up for those hits. I'm just wondering what might be happening mm-hmm. in, in turn. Whether that, I mean, I doubt you'd go up to your teammate and say, hey, you got to fight. But I'm just wondering, or if you had a teammate in that situation where it's like, geez, Bud, like, I love you, but you might have to stand up for yourself because you're running around a bit.
3: Well, we have had those conversations, but again, it was a completely different uh, time period, and hockey was much different. I, I also know uh, if it wasn't uh, suggested from a teammate, management would go tell a guy, like, okay, you can't continue to do this and then have other people uh, fight your battles. Um, I don't, I'm don't. i torn on this uh, because uh, I think that if Matthew Kachuk were to do something like drop the gloves with uh, Cassian, it, it would, you know, uh, soothe some of the uh, the fans you know they, they I think that's what they're looking for my personal feeling is he's way out of that uh, weight class I don't I don't think there's any need to do that I I think we all know what would happen and uh, so for that reason I, I I don't think Matthew should but but I'm not sure I know he's a gamer it's like you know there's there's one thing whether Oilers fans like him or not you got to give him credit for that like he comes to play so does Cassian they lay it on the line every night. So that will be maybe the, the number one topic heading into that team, though.
1: All right. I want to touch on something else that happened today. Gerard Gallant, who, amazing story with Vegas. Well, he's only been their coach two and a half years, and he's gone. Another coach fired. Mm-hmm. It's been an incredible last month and a half for that. You know, Vegas is right there with four other teams racing for the Pacific Division lead. But they pull the trigger on a coach that was supposedly beloved by his players and had everybody on his side, and and got the most out of players, and he's gone. It's it's hard to figure out.
3: Uh, when I saw that today, I was shocked. I, I that one completely surprised me. In fact, if you were to say to me yesterday, "list ten coaches or something that you have." you don't think we'll be fired at all this year or maybe even next year. And he would have been right near the top of my list. So uh, I think that just sort of speaks to uh, management and sometimes ownership and how impatient they can be. And they expect really good things, and if they see the team faltering or getting complacent at all, uh, they they have no problem whatsoever doing that. And and his replacement was interesting as well, right? Because there's some sort of history there, and a little bit of the rivalry as well. Uh, And so, I I had no idea this was coming. You know, you always hear rumors about certain coaches and, and things, and you think, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and the odd time you're surprised a little bit, but the, the one today, that was just shocking.
1: Kelly, it's always great to have you on the show. We'll do this again next week, and I'm sure there once again will be a lot to talk about. Take care, buddy. Okay, thanks, bud. See ya. All right, there's Kelly Rudy checking in from the NHL on Rogers, former NHL goaltender. Man, Kelly was uh, pretty melty back in the day, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of you who watched Kelly play saw him on those uh, L.A. Kings teams that had rivalries with the Oilers probably didn't like Kelly and uh, he's not shy talking about some of the things things that he did when he played what does former oiler current flame milan lucic think about the kachuk cassian conflict <music> you can text or call 780-496-0063 the big l says read. Wouldn't it be beautiful if Cassian and the Oilers did nothing on the 29th, just play for the two points? Kachuk would be one distracted mess. And John says, Reed, Bob Stoffer seems to think Kachuk is going to fight Cassian. I hope it happens, but it makes no sense for him to do that. My impression of the Lucic comments is that Lucic wants to fight Cassian. That's from John. Well, here's what Milan Lucic had to say today in Toronto about Kachuk, Cassian, and looking for retribution.
4: Personally, I think uh, our focus is a little bit too much on that because you saw, you know, we go into Montreal on Monday night and all we're talking about is what happened on Saturday and we don't come out to play, uh, you know, a game on Monday the way we should because we're still talking about Saturday. So, um, you know, and those two points were just as big as the ones that we got on Saturday. So there's... You know, there's almost too much focus on one thing when our focus right now should be on the Maple Leafs uh, uh, and what we got to do to win a hockey game. And and to be honest, you know, guys are gonna say what they're gonna say and 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 do what they're gonna do. I know for a fact uh, everyone's got each other's back, uh, you know, in this locker room. And you know, when the time comes, you know, whatever score needs to be settled will be settled. So. But like I said, I think our, our main focus and energy needs to be on uh, the Maple Leafs and what we need to do to win a hockey game. We've got two games left here uh, before the break starts. So, you know, that's the main thing. You know, talk is just talk. Uh, you know, I, like I said, whatever, whatever score needs to be settled, we can focus on that when, uh, when we play the next.
1: And speaking of talk, Cassian uh, pretty blunt yesterday.
4: Here's Lucic's take on those comments. You know, he's an emotional guy. He plays with a lot of emotion. Uh, you know, um, you know, he he speaks what's on his mind, whether uh, you know there's a microphone in front of him or not. So he's one of those guys that uh, you know plays with emotion, lives with uh, you know with emotion, and you know. Um, so, yeah, he's, you know, that's the type of the guy he is. So, uh, again, I had, I had fun being his teammate for three years, but, you know, push comes to shove. Uh, Matt's my teammate, and I'll do whatever I have to to, to, to to step up from
1: him. All right, that is Milan Lucic. Is the hype already building for the 29th Battle of Alberta? Ah! about everything wind chill of minus 44 overnight just think if that was your winning score at the masters how good you would feel 44 under that'd be incredible you'd win just just trying to put a positive spin on it that's that'd be what four rounds of 61 yeah that's unheard of yeah that'd be unheard of you'd be the greatest masters champion of all time they'd probably give you a green jacket with four sleeves (laughs) that's that's what you'd get Hey, uh, what's wrong with your jacket? It's got extra sleeves. Uh, I shot 44 under at Augusta. They gave me extra sleeves. That's what would happen, Kellen. That'd be awesome.
3: Uh, world record for sure. I think that would be like the re- world record for like the best golf score ever, wouldn't it?
1: Most under par at a tournament? I'm yeah. not sure what it is. There's some courses that are played on easier, easier uh There are tournaments that are played on easier courses. But, yeah, that's 11 under per round, so that would be pretty good. Uh, Sam G. writing in. The key word is if the push comes to push, Matt is Lucic's teammate, so he will defend him, even though in his deep mind he thinks Matt himself should answer the call since he runs around like a chicken with no head hitting anything and everything. That is from Sam G., even though in his deep mind. That's a good phrase tonight, too. Uh, Always love to hear from Sam G on the text line. Anybody can text in, 780-496-0063. Caleb Jones gets a two-year contract extension from the Edmonton Oilers. That'll kick in in the fall. Gerard Gallant fired by the Vegas Golden Knights. The new coach is Peter DeBoer. The Raptors tonight in action against Oklahoma City. Five minutes left in the third. Raptors up 83-69. In the NHL, Blackhawks leading Montreal 3-1 after two. And six minutes left in the second period. It is the Flyers and the Blues tied 1-1. No practice for the Edmonton Oilers today. They will practice tomorrow. They will practice Friday. They will play a matinee against Arizona on Saturday. It'll start at 1. The face-off show here on 630 Ched will begin at 1130 in the morning. And then after that game, no Oilers game until the 29th, until the 29th of January. Now on the 27th, they're going to practice at West Edmonton Mall at 3 o'clock and then do an autograph session after that. Uh, You can bring one item or they'll give you a picture for the player to to sign wherever, wherever you line up. But we'll remind you of that as we continue to get closer to the date. Mother's
3: Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile.
1: A very tall and talented gentleman from the Harlem Globetrotters. It is Zeus McClurkin. Zeus, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing today, Reed? I'm doing very well. It's nice to meet you. Thanks for coming to town. And uh, here we go, the Harlem Globetrotters making their annual uh, tour through uh, through Edmonton. You, you are a well-traveled team and, and a well-traveled young man now.
2: Yes, 124 countries for the team and only 26 countries for me.
1: Only 26 (laughs) Where's the one place you've been where you've thought to yourself I can't believe I'm in this country or city I never thought I would wind up here
2: Besides Edmonton in the winter (laughs) Because it is so cold here I I had no idea it was this cold Um, A place that I never thought I would be able to travel Is Israel Getting a chance to walk the streets of Jerusalem And um, play there I'm a minister at my church So walking those streets It's a lot of history there for me
1: Oh really cool And Mm -hmm. what are the
2: fans like there? Um, same as here. You know, they're looking for their um, the high-flying slam dunks and the half-court trick shots and uh, the hijinks that the Harlem Globetrotters have become known for over these 94 years.
1: Incredible mm-hmm. athleticism, obviously. Since we're on radio here, I'll get you to to paint the picture of yourself, yeah. you know, height, weight, and um, playing style, I guess. Oh, wow.
2: Yeah, I never <laughs> had to paint a picture of myself. What? Six foot eight, 225 pounds, all muscle, of course. Of course, yes. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, just uh, I st- I'm pretty I'm staggeringly tall on the court um, And I play pretty tall as well My whole high school career I played the post And um, now I'm playing with the Harlem Globetrotters I play every position that you can think of um, But we have different positions Like showmen, dunkers, shooters Dribblers um, And um, all, all together It just all um, is it, it works together for us to be great showmen on the court
1: Now do you have a specialty from one of those positions?
2: Yeah, I, I first started out as a dunker on the team, but now I'm on the team for my looks, and that's pretty much it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think you're being a little modest there. Yeah, I'm just painting the picture here. Uh, you may have a little bit of basketball ability, I'm sure. Uh, like, Can you throw down a big dunk? Do you have a dunk you're known for or move yeah, you for? Yeah, my
2: favorite dunk, I'm actually in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most slam dunks in a minute. I made 16 dunks in one minute. Um, my favorite dunk that I do is the rock the cradle dunk. I feel like a lot of people don't do that enough anymore, but uh, Dr. J made it famous in the uh, dunk contest as well as uh, Michael Jordan. Okay. Rock the cradle. You take the ball you kinda swing it with one hand and, and swing it back and dump it down. Okay. Yeah. It's hard to explain you
1: know? So it's a bit of you're almost doing a three sixty with the ball along your side, is yes. that fair? Basically a windmill on your side. Windmill on your side. Yeah. That's that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sixteen dunks in a minute. Yep. So you didn't have a lot of time to take a run in. You just had to elevate, elevate, elevate.
2: No, I wish that's how I did it. Um, the adjudicator there with Guinness World Record Books said that you had to run behind the free throw line in between every attempt. So if I would have been able to do it the way you were explaining, Reid, I probably would have been able to get 30. But the day of, they told me, yeah, you got to run behind the free throw line in between <laughs> every time. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. So yeah.
1: 16 dunks in a minute. Mm-hmm. So every three seconds about Dunkin'. dunking.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How did you feel after
2: tired. i tell you what, I didn't try it again. Yeah. <laughs> I did it one time. They said you got the record, and I said thank you.
1: That was it. Mm-hmm. That was good. They, and it was nice somebody from Guinness was actually there to verify yep. it. You didn't have to wait several months for them to go over the tape. Exactly. Like that. Uh, Zeus McClurkin joining us on Insight Sports. You have a great name. Thank you. What's the history behind Zeus?
2: So uh, the Globetrotters have to earn their names, you know, just like you earned Reed, right? <laughs> exactly, yes. We, uh, they call me Zeus for my dunking ability. I say every time I dunk the ball, it sounds like thunder. So they gave me the God of Thunder.
1: Oh, nice. Yes, sir. Oh, cool. Okay, so that was not the name your parents gave you. No, they gave me Julian, which is still cool, I think. Yeah. Uh, but Zeus gives a bigger... Who still calls you Julian? Everybody.
2: Everybody, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my primary name I go by. Just when I'm on the court with the Globe Chargers, they call me Zeus.
1: That Well, that that is a good one. Mm-hmm. And McClurkin's a cool-sounding last name, too. Thank so you. So you got, you got both ends of it. All right, now I understand uh, you also have another record, mm-hmm. or at um, least another world first, an epic shot. Yeah. It involves parasailing? I can't even imagine this. Yeah. So what what happened here? So we
2: were on the Jersey Shore, and um, first time I ever had been parasailing before. And um, the Globe Globetrotters asked me to try a trick shot out. And the trick shot was me hanging about 150 feet in the air, uh, tossing a basketball um, onto another moving boat that was directly under me. So I'm tethered to one boat, and then there's another boat chasing us with the hoop on it. And um, I was able to knock that shot down. It's pretty cool.
1: I was able to knock that shot down. It was pretty cool. (laughs) I I just feel like it was more to it than that.
2: It was very difficult. I think the skill came more on the the driver of the boat because they're the ones that had to line it up for me. All I had to do was throw the ball down there, and then I ended up making it. But, sorry, how far above the hoop were you? 150, 150 feet. Above the hoop?
1: Yeah. Well, it must have looked like a top of a pinhead or something yeah if you think about the other shots we've
2: done though Reed it's really crazy there's no way to practice it but I've done some maybe 30 or 40 shots that are very similar to that um, from catwalks of buildings um, from the roofs of buildings from a uh, a zip line one time at the Mall of America uh, I shot a shot and the one I'm I'm probably most proud of was at in Columbus Ohio I spun the ball on my finger and threw it off of the top concourse level and it I made the shot it took about 13
1: shots but I made it so had you ever pa- parasailed before this?
2: Never, never. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't really know what parasailing was until that day.
1: so you have not only do you have to get comfortable with parasailing mm-hmm. and being that high in the air, yeah and being behind a boat, mm-hmm. then you had to make a shot on top of that.
2: I've been a thrill seeker, man my whole life. when you're six foot eight, you really don't get afraid of heights. Uh, so <laughs> I've been tall my whole life. but in Ohio we're also known as the roller coaster capital of the world. We got Cedar Point and King's Island and I've always loved to ride on roller coasters since I was tall enough. Now I'm like too tall
1: to fit on them. So you're you're a pretty open-minded adventure-seeking guy to begin with. Absolutely. So, yeah. And to be a Globetrotter, that's exactly what you have to be. Mm,
2: this year, though, is our uh, Pushing the Limits World Tour, and we've been pushing the limits with our trick shots, too. So my teammate, Hammer, actually jumped out of an airplane and did a dunk um, upon landing, just before landing. So he jumped out of the airplane, pulled the uh, parachute, and there was a hoop on the ground, and the, they, he was able to aim it to where he was going to be, right in front of it, dunk the ball, and then land safely. Now that... I would never do. (laughs)
1: Oh, that's your line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) uh, Here's the line. That is a little too much. Zeus McClurkin from the Harlem Globetrotters joining us in Inside Sports. They will play in Edmonton next Saturday, January the 25th, part of their Pushing the Limits World Tour. Now, the Globetrotters, who are you playing on that day? This year is the Washington
2: Generals. Who went away for a while. Yeah, they were on hiatus, and now they're back.
1: Now, how how well do you know these guys on the generals? Because uh, you have beat them every year for over 40 years. Yeah, uh, some of them I know really well. Um, I used to play for the Generals.
2: That was my introduction to the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So it's a a rarity that somebody actually makes that jump from the worst team in the world to the best. But uh, I was one of those guys. Um, I had never heard of the Globetrotters really growing up. I mean, I saw them on Scooby-Doo and on cartoons, but I didn't think it was a real team. You know, Batman's on Scooby-Doo. That's not a real person. So I always grew up saying it'd be cool if they were real and then found out later that they weren't. And um, eventually what happened, I fell in love with the Harlem Globetrotters from the other side of the bench. You know, and I, I saw who they were, what they represented, and I wanted to be a part of them. And um, eventually they got tired of me dunking on them and they signed me over to a contract.
1: Okay, now but if you're if you play for the generals, yeah, there's a certain um, deferential quality to uh-huh. playing against the Globetrotters. Yeah. And it is part of the show, mm-hmm. but there's also a scoreboard. Yes. So does that ever get like Man, I know they're the Globetrotters, but just once a year, could yeah. we get a win? Could we try a three to win at the end of the game? Does that ever?
2: When I was a, a Washington general, I had to learn how to do the take this thing. It was like a new piece of vocabulary for me. It was called moral victories. So I had to learn how to be accepting if I get ten rebounds a game and feel good about myself. If I so get,
1: all your stats are kept even on the jumps. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. They keep your stats. You know, you got to have the best of the best. So generals can play, too. I probably um, – my jump shot was – Never as good as it was when, uh, except for when I played for the Washington Generals. They really focus on your shooting and not all the flashy stuff.
1: Yeah, right. So, the, so the Generals are playing a more orthodox game of basketball, fundamentally sound. Fundamentally sound. Yeah. I guess that's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. But you have to know if the Globetrotters bring out the. You know, there's time for the, to let the Globetrotters run the show, and there, all those points still count.
2: There's a time when there's going to be a bucket of confetti, and you can't get mad if somebody accidentally pulls your pants down as a Washington general. You know what you signed up for.
1: Right. Yeah. What's the closest game the generals have ever had that, um, you, that you played in, either as a Globetrotter or as a general? That
2: I played in? Pro- it was probably a— Four points, four point game, yeah. Okay. And this is back when um, we introduced the four pointer, uh, which was about 10 years ago. And this year is our, our 10 year anniversary for the four pointer. And we've pushed the line back. It was 30 feet away from the basket during that time. Okay. And now it's 35 feet away.
1: And a three pointer is what, about 22 feet? I'm going off the top of my head here good in that point. range. Yeah, ish. Yeah. <laughs> so now you have a 35 foot mm-hmm. four pointer. Mm hmm. And that both teams can attempt it? Absolutely. Okay.
2: I think the NBA is going to pick it up, too, because they picked up a lot of different things the Globetrotters have have, uh, popularized, like the slam dunk, alley-oop, three-man weave, and the three-point shot were all popularized by the Harlem
1: Globetrotters. Oh, nice. Yep. If fans have never seen the Globetrotters live... Yeah. Give me a couple sentences why you you got to see them, and you got to see them coming through Edmonton here.
2: If you've never seen the Harlem Globetrotters live, where have you been? You're missing out on a huge opportunity, not just for basketball fans, but just for people who want to come out and have a good time with their family and friends. You can leave this negative 38-degree Celsius weather outside. Come on inside. Have a good time with us. You're going to see high-flying slam dunks, half-court trick shots, and crowd participation that's unrivaled in sports. We'll even come up into the stands and eat your poop team because we get hungry during the game so you'll have fun with (laughs) this
1: Zeus a pleasure to meet you thanks for sharing your story and uh, enjoy Edmonton thanks Reed see you guys at the game January 25th that is Zeus McClurkin from the Harlem Globetrotters that was a fun interview and somebody texted in have the Washington Generals ever beaten the Globetrotters in a game last time was 1971 conflicting reports but apparently the the Globetrotters have lost to the Generals Sometime, uh, some number between three and six times, a- at least three. Last time in 1971, so it's been a good run for the Globe Trotters against the Generals, to say the least. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down south comfort food to Edmonton with their creative take on southern classics, spun with a modern twist. Okay, we got a, a great story about an Oilers fan using the Cassian Kachuk incident to help charity. <laughs> The flaming sea turtle makes his home in Calgary, but can be spotted on frozen surfaces all over Canada and the United States. He can be recognized by the number 19 on his shell. The flaming sea turtle will often sneak up on prey.
4: He's known for quickly retreating into his shell after he attacks. While he can appear aggressive, the flaming sea turtle is actually
1: quite timid and likely wouldn't survive for long in the wild. This generation of the animal is considered to be less noble than its predecessor. For a more complete story of the flaming sea turtle, why not contact the Canadian Wildlife Service in Ottawa? Oh, it's a special insight Sports hinterland who's who on a certain animal from Calgary. What's funny is... The gentleman at the station here who we got to voice that, and I will not name him, he's a Calgary Flames fan. But he said, Reed, for the art and creativity of inside sports, I will voice that. A lot of build-up. It's going to be fun. Battle of Alberta on the 29th. Now there's some interesting fallout from this whole Kachuk-Cassian incident, kind of unexpected. We're going to welcome to the show, very big fan of the Edmonton Oilers, it is Sam Costa. Sam, you're on with Reed. How are you doing?
5: I'm doing excellent. I'm not sure how I can follow that up.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, you're going to do just fine. Don't worry about that. Sam, how long have you been an Oilers fan? Um, forever. Forever. As oh. long
5: as I can remember. Okay. I'm born into it. <laughs>
1: Were you watching the game live on Saturday? I was. And what did you think of that whole incident and how it played out?
5: I had a lot of opinions on a lot of incidents. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first incident, definitely not a fan. Um, the other two also not good. (laughs) So when Cassian reacted the way he did, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. That's what I do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm going to let you tell, tell the story. Uh, But there's been some interesting developments sort of involving you and, and the fan bases for the, for the two teams. And I think it started with a billboard, by by flames fans or something they have the idea to do you'll be able to tell it better than me but you can take it from there
5: yeah so i mean this is changing minute by minute now um (laughs) but basically what started was um uh, some flames fans thought it would be very hilarious to plaster matthew kachuk on some billboards in our city and Oilers fans weren't very happy about it very happy about the idea either but it was taken off um, I, some comments that they should donate the money to charity. And then I thought, well, I mean, we're going to have to retaliate if this happens. So we should make sure that if we're complaining about how they're spending their money, we stay true to our word here. So I decided I would. Okay, I only donated $25. It was, um to a charity in Calgary that I thought was very deserving, was hardworking, community-funded, making kids lunch. And I put it in honor of Zach Cassian. and then I put a Twitter challenge out there for Oilers fans to do the same. And they loved the idea, and they all ran with it.
1: So this is Brown bagging it for Calgary kids. So they provide lunches for for kids in in Calgary schools who might uh, have a bit of a tough time bringing, bringing their own lunch. And yeah. it's what's what's the total up to now?
5: Um, the last update I received, it was sixteen thousand one hundred and nineteen dollars
1: and these are donations made by oilers fans from literally all over the world that's how i understand
5: literally it. all over the world and honestly in a lot of cases it's Flames fans too
1: <laughs> and, and it, what what have people who worked with brown bagging it for calgary's kids what have they said to you this must be an unexpected surprise for them
5: yeah they were very surprised um they didn't expect it to take off either um, I didn't notify them that I was doing it either because I didn't think <laughs> it was going to get this big, but um, they've been incredibly supportive in it. They're messaging me constantly, sending me updates, um, sending me thanks all the time, and they're so sweet. They're hardworking over there.
1: And, and when you donated, and I'm just I, I, your phone just cut out there for a second during one of your answers, Sam. When you donated this, and you're asking Oilers fans to actually put it on, like on behalf of Zach Cassian in honor of Zach Cassian. Yes, yes, <laughs> I
5: was. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's
1: incredible. Well, it's it's amazing how you've taken the rivalry, and I mean that part of it is a bit of a troll job. But the the overall theme of it and what you're accomplishing is 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 absolutely wonderful. So so good for you for doing this. Now, is there sort of a time frame on when you want people to donate by any sort of deadline? Uh,
5: nope. Uh, I think it's. we're just going to let it run its course. If people want to keep donating forever, it's not a bad cause.
1: <laughs> well, it, it isn't, and it's really cool. And is this billboard still going up? What do we know about this billboard?
5: Um, so what so far has happened in the last couple hours, um, the billboard actually yesterday was uh, purchased by a Calgary radio station. They're planning on buying it, and then they're going to donate those funds that the fans raised to ALS Research. So they did donate to charity in the end and the billboard is still happening. And is this, <laughs>
1: this going to be Kachuk's face?
5: I think so. I think that's the plan.
1: <laughs> uh, um, well.
5: And then also we had Brett Wilson step in and he decided to match our donations to Brown Baganet, um up to $10,000. He's also going to donate $5,000 to yes um in edmonton for us and he has also stepped up to match all of the als money for the original billboard idea up to ten thousand dollars as well
1: Sam, th- this is amazing. Th- uh, it- it's, it's so cool how uh, something like this can, can become a, a completely unexpected and, and very, uh, very helpful, very charitable uh, uh, event uh, out, of, out of two hockey players who, quite frankly, hate each other. So thank you for being yeah. the driving force behind that. Now, how do people find you on Twitter, and where can they go to donate? Um,
5: my Twitter handle is SamNYEG. Um, And the website for Brown Bag it is BB4, that's the number 4, ck.org.
1: Okay. And and if people follow me at Reed Wilkins, I have tweeted out that you are going to be on the show with your handle so they can find you by going through my Twitter account as well. Sam, thank you for coming on the show. Incredible story and enjoy the Oilers and the Coyotes on Saturday.
5: I will. Thank you for having me.
1: Quite an Oilers fan there. Really proud to have her in oil country, Sam Costa. You also heard from Zeus McClurkin, Kelly Rudy, Brian Blessing, Scott Milanovic, and Caleb Jones, who gets a contract extension from the Oilers. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy is your studio operator this evening. My name is Reed Wilkins. Adler's next. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.